This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Coming up, we'll talk to the folks from Manning Elliott about how you can make sure your business, even if it's just you, uh, is doing the right thing things, such as making sure you're not paying too much tax, getting the right kind of advice. That's coming up. But first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. Imagine you get a call from your wife or your husband. At least that's what it says on the phone. You see their picture on the phone, but the voice on the other line says they've kidnapped that person and they want you to pay ransom. That's what happened in North Van, and Mounties have issued a warning after a North Vancouver man received a phone call from someone claiming to have kidnapped his wife and was demanding ransom. The scary part is the call appeared to be actually be coming from the wife's phone. Police say during the call, a female voice could be heard in the background. Luckily, officers were able to locate the man's spouse and determine that the kidnapping was a hoax. The victim didn't give the scammers any money. World Cup soccer is bringing a welcome surge in traffic to restaurants and bars here in Vancouver and right across Canada. Uh, The co-owner of Cafe Diplomatico in the heart of Toronto's Little Italy neighborhood says they are already booked up for Sunday's game tomorrow between Canada and Croatia. It should be busy here in Vancouver, too, in our version of Little Italy on Commercial Drive. But the time difference will play a role as well. The kickoff is at 11 a.m. Toronto time tomorrow. But here in Vancouver, that means the game starts at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Some bars and restaurants here will be open, taking advantage of the B.C. government decision to extend service hours so that fans can gather together to watch the game. However, liquor sales aren't permitted during the extended hours. Uh, Tomorrow's game will be Canada's second in the tourney. They lost their first game 1-0 to Belgium on Wednesday, but they played well. So we'll see what happens tomorrow morning. Some new guidelines are out about kids and technology. The Canadian Pediatric Society has modified part of its recommendations for the amount of screen time that young children should have every day. The society still maintains that children under two years old should have no screen time at all, except for things like video chats with people like their grandparents, for example. It says there is no evidence that introducing technology to kids at that age has any benefits. And now it's even easing up on its previous recommendation that children aged two to five should have one hour of screen time a day. The society's doctor, Janice Hurd, says more recent research shows that unless screen time is interactive, educational, or is done co-viewing with an adult, it really doesn't bring anything extra to a two to five-year-old's development. The society still says the best thing parents can do when their kids are on any screen is be there with them, interacting with them, and talking about what they're watching. New Twitter owner Elon Musk, probably getting a lot of screen time these days that he doesn't want, but he said this past week he is granting amnesty for suspended accounts. Online safety experts are concerned, though, saying it could lead to a rise in harassment, hate speech, and misinformation. The billionaire's announcement uh, this past Thursday came after he asked in a poll posted to his timeline to vote on reinstatements for accounts that have not broken the law or engaged in egregious spam. 
but were still kicked off of Twitter. The yes vote was 72% after a similarly unscientific poll last weekend. Musk reinstated the account of former President Donald Trump, which Twitter had banned for encouraging the January 6th insurrection. Trump has said he won't return to Twitter, but he hasn't deleted his account just yet. This is Vancouver Consumer. And when we come back, if you've got a business, large or small, you need an expert to give you some advice and make sure you're not paying too much tax, to make sure you're planning for the future. And we'll talk to the folks at Manning Elliott about how they can help you make sure you keep as much uh, of the tax money in your pocket and be ready for anything that might be coming around the corner. That's next when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And if you have any kind of business, whether it's just you, a small business or or a very large business, maybe it's a family business, That business can live or die by how you manage your taxes and what kind of expert advice you get. So it's crucial that you get some experts on your side. And Manning Elliott accountants and business advisors have developed a team of professional accounting specialists with offices in Vancouver, Burnaby, Surrey, and Abbotsford. ManningElliot.com is the website. There's two T's in Elliot, ManningElliot.com. And with me now is Rick Gendeman, a lead partner at Manning Elliot, overseeing and advising on business transition, business advice, tax planning, and family wealth continuity services. Uh, hi, Rick. Good to have you here. Hi there, Martin. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the big picture about Manning Elliott. I think it's it's uh, it's a place that has a very good reputation in the Lower Mainland as a as a fantastic accounting firm. But uh, I think your theory is it's a bit more than just an accounting firm. It's more than that, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Thank you for that uh, kind words, Martin. Um, yeah, Manny Elliott, we've been around since 1952, and uh, so we've uh, experienced tremendous growth and development over the years. Um, and right now, our firm consists of about 200-plus dedicated uh, CPAs and business advisors with years of experience and success that we try to bring to our clients. Um, you know, outside of the traditional realm that people think of accounting and assurance and financial reporting and tax reporting, we also offer a number of additional services in other areas such as uh, high-level tax planning, business advisory services, valuations, specialty services. We do work with Chinese-based and Japanese-based companies and operations. We do public company work, not-for-profit organizations. So we're a very diverse uh, accounting firm and business advisory firm that offers a a whole suite of services to various uh, companies, uh, businesses, individuals, um, in predominantly seven major practice areas. So we work a lot with private companies, public companies, as I mentioned, not-for-profits. And we also do a lot of consulting and advisory work with all of those businesses in those various industry sectors. Right. So it's much more than just doing the books. Absolutely. Uh, and honestly, the, the fun stuff is doing the other stuff outside of the books. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I guess all these years of different 
businesses and uh, every every business is different. Every business has a different challenge. And I guess uh, I, with that kind of experience comes uh, a, a lot of solution. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, obviously, every business is unique in its own right. Um, but amazingly, many businesses have very similar issues and matters that they're all dealing with. So um, we're able to draw on our experiences with various clients to identify best practices, best solutions, uh, work with them to try and identify what works for their particular circumstance. And so it's a very fluid model. And obviously, having the exposure to clients in, in a diverse set of industries and businesses uh, allows us to better address our, our clients' needs going forward. We're talking to Rick Endeman. He is a partner at Manning Elliott uh, Accounting Services, manningelliot.com. And as I say, Elliott has two T's, manningelliot.com. And you can uh, find out what they do on the web. They have a great website. Um, and uh, as you say, you've dealt with uh, businesses, uh, large and small, of all different types. But I guess the one thing that has affected business in the last couple of years uh, is COVID. And, uh, and, and now all the things that come after COVID, inflation and all these things. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, a lot of businesses saw their, uh, their client base shaken up, you know, substantially over the last few years. And how did uh, Manning Elliott deal with that? Well, clearly the pandemic and subsequent market conditions around, you know, supply chain issues, inflation, human resource capacity, to just name a few, uh, have caused most business owners to rethink their current business model and, and pivot their business to address these challenges. Uh, it's been a difficult time, uh, something that is unprecedented that most people have never experienced before. Um, our team at Manning Elliott worked with our clients to help them review how to adapt their business model. Uh, to these changing situations. Um, this has included helping them, you know, go through and review what their current business model is, what are their operations to make sure that they're properly structured to deal with the current business environment that they operate in. Uh, we've helped them to address their past value proposition and why they're in business and what they do and make sure that it's realigned and in uh, position to service their customer demands and market conditions going forward. So it's really important to recognize what you have done in the past that's worked, but it's also important to recognize that the world is changing and we've got to make sure that you uh, keep in line with those changes. Um, what may have worked in years gone by uh, will likely need to be adapted uh, for most clients to provide them with the greatest opportunity for success. So we've worked with them in trying to build in flexibility uh, and adaptability, I think those are two predominant words that probably are floating around in the marketplace. Uh, we have to be nimble uh, and much more nimble than we've ever been in the past to deal with the uncertainties that are out there and trying to help our clients manage that uncertainty is, is a big challenge for them. And uh, we're there to help them through that process. Yeah, you, you mentioned the word adaptability, and it's funny to, to hear you talking about COVID and how businesses, no matter what kind of business it was, how they dealt with it. And I remember, it's funny, it's it's different to think now because we've, we've kind of gotten used to a lot of the stuff that we had to deal with, you know, like Zoom calls and, and remote business and all that stuff. But, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, but it's amazing to think when, when COVID first came in, when we first had to deal with it, it was such uncharted territory. And I, I guess 
uh, adaptability was the key for Manning Elliott, right? Yes. I mean, not only for our clients, but also even for us as a firm. Um, you know, we had to rethink how we were going to operate. Uh, we had to think how, rethink how we were going to communicate with our clientele. So even for businesses, you know, those that were, for example, uh, you know, the restaurant owner who used to have people coming to his facility and enjoying a nice meal, uh, weren't allowed to come to uh, the restaurant. And so in order for them to sustain and get through this bump in the road, you know, they had to revisit how they were going to continue providing food to their customers. And that took on a whole new world in terms of how that was going to be dealt with. And those that were able to repivot and uh, identify how they could deal with that, you know, likely came out a little bit better ahead than those that took a little too long to make those changes. Yeah. We're talking to Rick Gendeman, a partner at Manning Elliott, manningelliott.com. And one thing about Manning Elliott, uh, you are all about planning for the future, whether it's estate planning or business transition planning, you know, you know, handing off a business, you know, to maybe family members. And I want to talk about that, but uh, just the, the sort of big picture of planning for businesses. I mean, COVID was a great example of... Uh, of how impossible it is to, to know everything that's going to happen. So how important is planning for, for a typical business and how does Manning Elliott help with that? Well, perhaps I could uh, preface my comments with a quote from uh, Benjamin Franklin uh, that goes back to 1790, uh, where he stated, failing to plan is planning to fail. So uh, from that statement, you can see from my perspective and, uh, Looking at planning, it's important to achieve, planning is important to achieve the greatest chance of success and achieving your goals and objectives for not only you as a business owner, for your family, and for your business. So um, planning really involves taking the time to predict and best estimate where you think you wish to go and what steps you need to take to get there. So thinking end in mind of what you're trying to achieve, whether that be in your business life, your personal life, your family life, and design the roadmap that will get you there. Planning is going to let you not only have purpose and direction uh, in terms of what needs to be done, but it will also enable you to anticipate changes and be able to react and pivot. So we talk about that, that adaptability scenario and flexibility. So when you start to plan and really give some thought as to what you think might occur in the future going forward, it's going to let you be prepared for if there is a change or something doesn't go according to what you thought, you will have thought about that perhaps and, and had alternatives available to try and address that. So when I look at planning and why it's important, it really provides direction. Uh, it helps business owners reduce the risk of uncertainty because they may have thought about those circumstances coming. It also promotes innovative ideas. So it gets you to think about, well, what if this or what if that, uh, as opposed to just sort of going along and hoping everything works out. Uh, and it facilitates making really good decisions around your goals and the action steps you have to carry out. So when we look at this from our perspective at Manning Elliott and working with our clients, we highlight the importance of planning as it allows them to better control their outcomes and what they're trying to achieve. And again, it allows them to be able to adapt uh, their planning process so that they consider various alternatives. And, and that's, you know, again, planning to me, I think, is a, a key Peace and trying to move anything forward, whether it be your business or personal goals that you may have. And, you know, plans don't have to be elaborate, um, but in, you know, any form of planning really helps people have some direction. Right. And, and this may be too vague a question because every business is different, but can you give me an example of, of one aspect of planning, one thing that every business should look at 
that you know what I mean? The, the one thing that they should, uh, to, to really explore when it comes to planning. I think, think one of the key things is, you know, identifying sort of what your vision is for the business. And, and again, that may be, you know, a little bit of um, high level sort of thinking, but, you know, planning ultimately is about where are you today and where are you trying to get to? And so I think it's clearly articulating what you want to do going forward and where you see your business being. So for some folks, that's really difficult because they're, they're having to try and sort of think about, well, where am I today and where do I want to be two, three, four years from now? Um, but I think that's a really important piece is to try and see where you want to go. And that will then help position you and align you for the things that you need to do to try and achieve that particular goal or vision. And I guess if, if something completely unprecedented shows up, like a pandemic, uh, you'll at least have a sense of, uh, of, of a game plan to deal with something completely uh, unexpected. Yeah, and I think that's the important piece of planning and, and what you can get out of that is so you can plan and say, well, I, I propose to do the following, assuming all these things will align themselves. But if the facts change, uh, we will have thought about what would be the alternative plan we should consider if something were to come to us that we didn't anticipate. So that's the beauty of planning. Not only can it build you a roadmap, uh, but it can also allow you to create alternatives and, and other options to be aware of so that you're not necessarily blindsided if something were to happen. Uh, you've got some insight as to perhaps, you know, how could we deal with that issue if it were to arise. Right. We're talking uh, about uh, businesses, big and small, and uh, it's kind of an interesting time. Uh, and when we come back, I want to talk about uh, family business, small business, because it seems like we're in sort of the gig economy and all that stuff. And it seems like there's never been uh, a better time to start a business, re sometimes a really, really small business. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about um, some of the pitfalls you can avoid and how Manning Elliott can help you with that. We're talking to Rick Gendeman. Uh, he is a lead partner at Manning Elliott, and you can find them online at manningelliott.com. And as I say, there's two T's in Elliott. Uh, sometimes there isn't, uh, but manningelliot.com is the website to go to, and you can find out everything you need to know about them. They have a really, uh, a really well put together website, and you can also, uh, arrange to, to talk to the folks like Rick at Manning Elliot and find out how they can help you. So when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about family businesses and some of the things, some of the pitfalls to avoid and some of the ways to, uh, to make sure it's smooth sailing. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. And this afternoon, we're talking to Rick Gendeman, a lead partner at Manning Elliott, manningelliott.com, uh, an account. Uh, accounting firm that can can help you with your with all the challenges that your business may face, whether it's a small business, whether it's a large business. And uh, one of the things that I find interesting is right now, because of the 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 internet and the gig economy, more people than ever are starting businesses. And sometimes they're really small. Sometimes they really really grow. And uh, Manning Elliott can help with that. Uh, would you say that's true? Absolutely, Martin. Um, you know, it's an interesting question, and, and it's 
interesting to see what's happening in the marketplace uh, now. You know, oftentimes we'll see businesses being created from by virtue of the circumstance of the founder. So perhaps the founder was looking for a change. Maybe they didn't want to be an employee anymore. Perhaps they've lost their position uh, as a result of, you know, the pandemic. Um, they wanted to be their own boss or they saw an opportunity to start a business because they felt they could reap greater financial rewards, maybe greater flexibility and um, and some success with something. So no matter what their circumstance was, um, you know, I think there's opportunities for folks. But I think as part and parcel of that, when families are looking or individuals are looking to start that family business, you know, what do they need to think about um, as they start down that path? Because for many, it'll be something new to them. And um, I would often sort of uh, try and narrow it down to three key things for them to consider as they venture out into the realm of uh, family business. First one, you know, identify what it is you're trying to do and have a documented vision and purpose. You know, what, what is your business trying to do? What is your valuation or what is your value proposition? What are you going to do in terms of offering your types of services? And give that some good thought so that you, you're going into the game uh, as best prepared. Um, this may be a little bit underplayed at times, and sometimes uh, new business owners will be hesitant to bring in advisors to help them. I think it's vitally important for new business owners to bring in their advisors early. Uh, right. Get some trusted advisors around you to help you get you know, set up properly at the start um, to get you through that startup phase, because that can often be a really daunting phase for folks. Uh, things are coming at them at 100 miles an hour. And not only will they be there to help you in the startup phase, but if you've surrounded yourself with a good team, they're going to be there with you along the journey as you grow and build your business in the years ahead. And then finally, I think it's really important for business owners to start to identify what I refer to as KPIs or key performance indicators. So if you look at a business that you're looking to operate, you know, what are the three to five things that you absolutely must do really well in order to be successful and build in systems to monitor and report on those types of metrics. So they don't have to necessarily be numbers. It could be something, as an example, I need to make X number of contacts with my customers every month because it's really important for me to retain close contact with my customers. Those are metrics that you might need to put in place uh, and build in. So make sure your business model kind of has some of those metrics built in so that you're monitoring those things and not just haphazardly going out and uh, doing what you do day to day, but you have some purpose and, and you can align yourself with those key performance indicators. Yeah, that's interesting because sometimes you have sort of a vague idea of what you need to do, but if you can actually dissect it into little daily tasks that you can do, you that serves the big picture as well. Absolutely. And uh, someone um, noted this to me many years ago. Uh, you know, it's not about doing one thing 100% better. It's about doing 100 things 1% better. So as you start to dissect the business and what's going on in it, um, being able to identify the little pieces that you can tweak and improve and enhance as you go forward, those are all going to lead to future success and growth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a very, very uh, just solid advice. From Rick Gendeman is a lead partner at Manning Elliott, Manning Elliott dot com is the website uh you can find out everything that they do and uh i want to talk about something that i i don't uh, I, I i guess i need a definition on this family enterprise advising what what exactly is that uh 
in a nutshell, my view of family enterprise advising is really based on an understanding of the interplay and dynamics of a family-owned business uh, from the perspective of the business, the owners, and their families, and how they interact with one another. You know, as opposed to just simply looking at the business, you're looking at a much more holistic approach and having an understanding of the overall family enterprise model, which includes, you know, the elements around not only the business, but also the individuals that are connected with the business and its owners. A family enterprise advisor is going to be someone that's going to understand, you know, the family dynamics and their impact. Uh, they'll be able to help family enterprise build the confidence to address those issues that sit at the interface between family and business. So, you know, oftentimes you've got certain family members working in the business, others are not. Uh, they're interplaying with one another. You may have family um, that are not working in the business that could be owners in the business. And, of course, they have different views and perspectives of where the business needs to go. And so it's really important to align, you know, the pillars around what needs to be done in the business and what needs to be done at the family level uh, to ensure that those two primary pillars are aligned and they support one another. So looking at what's important to the family in terms of their values you know, how does that translate into the business? What is it that they want to try and do? Uh, making sure that the business doesn't overwhelm everybody uh, and keep uh, family harmony and make sure that, you know, objectives are heard, uh, different views are heard so that everybody has a, a comfortable feeling as to what direction you're going. Yeah, and I, I can kind of see how the family dynamic can uh, be uh, something that plays a huge part in unexpected ways because I've watched a lot of that HBO TV show Succession. So, <laughs> so I, I know it can be weird. So I guess you've seen a lot of um, uh, a lot of that dynamic get in the way of the business at times. Uh, it can. And I think, you know, oftentimes we um, are hesitant to sort of deal with conflict. Sometimes people will say, oh, conflict's a bad thing. And I would like to suggest conflict is a good thing. No two people think and see things um, identical at times. Um, but the real key is, you know, if you have differing views or you've got conflicting views, it's what is your conflict resolution mechanism? Can you sit down at the table and be honest with one another without being threatening? Um, to make a good decision jointly um, or amongst a number of people if you're having to deal with, you know, multiple family members, for example. So it's really about trying to build in trust and respect and value for other individuals' views. No different than if you're a, a business owner, you're looking for feedback from your employees and, and they're trying to help you build your business and you're trying to, uh, you know, help them succeed as well. And so, it's really about being open and understanding and uh, respecting differing views and then trying to work on solutions. Solutions. And that's what Manning Elliott provides. Rick Gendeman is a lead partner at Manning Elliott. And uh, as I mentioned, the, Ma the ManningElliott.com website is there for you to check out. ManningElliott.com, two T's in Elliott. Um, and Rick, if Say, I mean, we were talking about uh, a lot of new businesses starting because of this gig economy, and a, a lot of people don't consider their family business their full-time job even. Um, do they, would they still benefit from getting a hold of Manning Elliott and, and getting involved with a family enterprise advisor? Absolutely. I think even small businesses can benefit in working with a family enterprise advisor. Um, you know, that advisor is going to be able to cater their advice and services to the current needs of the owner and their business. So if they're at a startup phase and, you know, and they're 
obviously um, managing their finances and and wanting to make sure that you know their cost structure is is in line with what's going on. Um, you know that advisor will be able to cater how they can help that individual with their business and what they need to do as the business starts to grow and they build uh, the value going ahead. You know that family enterprise advisor, if you've got them engaged early on, is going to be there with you during that ride, uh, and they're going to be able to help and walk with you as you grow and build the value of your business. So uh, it's never too early in my mind to start with a, a good family enterprise advisor who understands what you're trying to achieve and also understands the dynamics of how family interplays with uh, your family business. Right. And I'm sure there's lots of people listening who are thinking, well, that might be a good idea for me and my business. So if somebody uh, is interested in learning more or engaging uh, Manning Elliott, uh, what's the process? What do they do? Well, uh, I'll certainly invite folks to reach out to me directly, and they can do so at my uh, direct line, 604-557-5760. Or as you mentioned, they can uh, go to our website and um, uh, identify uh, myself through our website under our team tab. Uh, they're also welcome to email me directly at rickg at manningelliot.com. Um, but if they go to our website, uh, we have a very interactive website with a lot of information. Uh, you can go identify our team, uh, go to our insights tab, and you'll be able to see a lot of various articles that we've uh, created and developed on a broad range of business areas and industries. And so there's lots of information, and we have lots of people that you can reach out to, uh, and we'd be happy to talk to you. Right on. So go to manningelliot.com. And as I say, I'm kind of obsessed with it, but I think it helps people. There's two T's in Elliot, <laughs> manningelliot.com. Um, and I understand there's an event coming up. Unfortunately, it's very popular. So there's uh, not a lot of, lot of seats left, but uh, there is an event coming up for business owners later this week, right? Yes. Uh, thanks for bringing that up, Martin. Uh, later this month, I'm uh, presenting along with one of my tax partners, a session on uh, transition planning for your family business, what you need to consider. Um, we're hosting a session in Vancouver and one in the Surrey area. Uh, currently, the Vancouver one is uh, sold out. Uh, we still have some space in our Surrey one. Uh, but the session is uh, basically designed to give folks insight on things they should be considering as they begin planning their future transition, whether it be an outright outside sale or transition to the next generation. We're walking clients through, or uh, those that are going to attend, addressing how you can maximize the value of the business leading up to sale and address some tax planning strategies to keep as much money in your pocket and reduce those future tax costs. So um, we're looking forward to uh, hosting that event. All right. So if uh, if people want to get, a, I guess they have to get on a wait list for that? Yeah, so we do have a wait list. Uh, if anyone is interested in wanting to get on that wait list, um, they should email marketing at manningelliot.com. And I'll say the two T's again. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you give us your information uh, at that email, again, marketing at manningelliot.com, we will make sure that we uh, get in touch with you, get you onto our wait list. And uh, we'll likely be looking to host another session uh, probably in late January, early February. Uh, so we'd love to have you attend if you're not able to attend a session. Um, again, just one last plug. We have a, some space available for our session in Surrey on December 5th. So again, email marketing at manningelliot.com and reserve your space. Well, thank you so much for talking to us, Rick. Uh, appreciate it this afternoon. 
Yeah, thanks, Martin. It was a pleasure chatting with you, and I hope that um, you know through our discussion, folks have gotten a little bit of insight of some of the things that they need to think about um, as they venture down the path with their family business. And for all of those family business owners that are out there, I wish them all the greatest success going forward. Sounds great. And ManningElliot.com is the place to go. Uh, two T's, <laughs> as we've been talking about Manning Elliott. And Rick Gendeman is uh, a lead partner at Manning Elliott. And we will uh, talk to you again soon. Thanks, Thanks Martin. Have a great day. This is Vancouver Consumer. Coming up, we're all kind of used to unmarked police cars, ghost cars cruising around the city. But back in the 1950s in Vancouver, when they first introduced the idea didn't go over well. I've got that story when we come back. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong and the Vancouver Police Department announced this month that they have just spent, or at least the city has spent, 3.1 million bucks to buy 54 gas powered Dodge Charger Enforcer patrol cars. Now the police need a fast car and these cars have some muscle. The Enforcer features a new eight speed automatic transmission, a top speed of 225 Ks an hour. But it is old technology in the age of Teslas and other electric vehicles. In fact, the Enforcer model that they bought is being discontinued after 2023. So many people are asking, is there not an electric alternative for the police? Albert Seamus, the director of waste management and resource recovery for the city of Vancouver, says there is an electric police style vehicle in development, but it's still a couple of years away. And he says as soon as they can get their hands on one, they'll be testing it out on the streets of Vancouver. Back in 2018, Vancouver police announced that they were adding a fleet of 20 electric ghost cars, unmarked cars. They're Ford Focus hatchbacks, fully electric, but they don't scream cop car when you cut in front of one and speed away until you see the lights coming up behind you and you get a ticket. And how do you feel about unmarked police ghost cars? You know, it was today, November 26th, Back in 1953, when the BC Auto Association, the BCAA, held its annual meeting at the Georgia Hotel, and the big topic was the brand new policy by Vancouver Police in 1953 of sending out unmarked police cars and using officers who were wearing regular street clothes. It was kind of a new idea at the time. BCAA was absolutely against the idea. They said police were impersonating citizens. An alderman, Hal Wilson, demanded at this meeting that police officers must be dressed as police officers. The BCAA also read a letter from a concerned citizen who said, as a salesman, he often carried large sums of money in his car and he felt he wouldn't know if he was being pulled over by police or being robbed by a couple of thugs. And also at the meeting, BCAA was against raising the cost of a speeding ticket. That came up at the meeting. The city uh, wasn't happy with the current $2 fine, and Vancouver wanted to make it $5 every time you got caught speeding. I could live with $5 at this point. This is Vancouver Consumer, and coming up, it's the Consumer News headlines of the week, including the story of how potentially billions in cryptocurrency assets 
appear to have disappeared. That's coming up next when Vancouver Consumer continues. I'm Martin Strong. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.